All right. How's everybody doing? Praise God, four of you. How's everybody else doing? There we go. There we go. Awesome. I am going to fix this. There we go. It was kind of wobbling on me here. Y'all, I am really excited to be before y'all this morning. Uh, this is our last service of the year. And uh, I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sad because we're also ending our series on Luke. Uh, how many of you guys have been enjoying the series on Luke? It's been super fun. JT's enjoying it. That's all I care about. Y'all, listen, we have had some really awesome things happen this week. Uh, Friday, we had our team Christmas party, and for those of you that don't celebrate Christmas, it really had nothing to do with Christmas. It was just an excuse for us to celebrate our teams and hang out and have a good time and also wrap people in toilet paper. It was super fun, and uh, and we did rewrite a bunch of Christmas carols. It was pretty hilarious, and over the next few days, I'm sure y'all will be hearing some of those on social media. It was really awesome, but uh, anyways, you guys, we are on our final uh, installment of the book of Luke, and I am I'm really excited excited about this one, but basically we started this series off, for those of you that haven't got to be a part of it, we started this series off kind of laying the foundation of what Luke was about, right? There are four Gospels, Luke is one of them, and Luke actually, half of Luke, the entire book, is red letters. What that means is, if you want to know what Jesus said, then go read the book of Luke, because there's lots of Jesus words in there. Come on, how many of you know the red letters are the best? Come on, somebody, right? And so we, we talked about how the the book of Luke was written to, uh, it was written to a Gentile people, right? Every book in the Bible was written to a specific people group for a spe specific purpose and a specific reason. And uh, Luke wrote the book to people who did not have the privilege of going through uh, Torah school or being able to read through some of the, the documents and the texts that, that Jewish people had the privilege of. And so he wrote this with that in mind. And we've been doing a thing with our family called 24 Days, 24 Chapters. Come on, anybody else been doing that? We're basically starting December 1st, we started reading through the book of Luke, one chapter at a time, all the way to Christmas, because there's 24 days, 24 chapters. And so that's kind of been the hashtag. But it's been really exciting, because I've been hearing stories from families that, that their whole family have been sitting down every night and just reading the word and how it's brought their families together and their children that never read the word are now reading the word and, and actually reading it on their own. So it's really, really, really exciting. You guys, this morning, I want to preach to you from the subject, the power of your yes. Somebody say that with me. The power of your yes, right? The power of your yes. How many of you know that there is power in your yes? Do you believe that? There is power in your yes. And the thing that I love about Jesus and what you can see through all of the Gospels and really all of the Bible is you can see Jesus' reckless abandonment towards saying yes towards the Father. Right? If the Father asked Jesus to do something, his answer was always yes. Do you believe that this morning? Everything that happened and I've, I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to repeat it. Everything that happened in the life of Christ happened for the purpose of us learning to be more like him, to live like him. Listen to me. If Jesus asks you to do something, your answer should be what? Come on, everybody say it. Your answer should be, it should be yes. If Jesus asks you to do something, your answer should be yes. 
right? So we're going to begin reading out of the book of Luke, chapter 5, in verse 1. We're going to read all the way to 11. We have a good bit of scripture today, so if you ain't read your Bible, you're going to get a bunch today. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, come on. Luke 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. One day as Jesus, everybody say Jesus, was preaching on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, great crowds pressed in on him because, or to, to listen to the word of God. How many of you know when you have Jesus and he starts teaching the word of God, great crowds are going to gather because that's just what happens. Verse 2 says this, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them where, or, and, and were washing their nets. Verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where where it is deeper and let your nets to catch, let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse five, I love this part and I wanna pay attention to this. Verse five says this, Simon, or master, Simon Peter, or Simon replied, we worked hard all night. Everybody say night. And day, thank you, Paul, to catch and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let the nets down. Verse 6, and at this time, their nets were so full, they began to tear. How many of you know when Jesus asks you to do something, there's always a reason behind it? Right? Jesus isn't just asking us to do crazy things to see how many crazy things his people will do. Right? Jesus is asking you to do something. Jesus was asking Peter to do something because there was a reason for it, right? So it says about, it says uh, their nets began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon other boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Come on, somebody. Verse 8 says this, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Verse 9, For he was awestruck by the number of fish they caught, as were the others with him. We're almost done. Verse 10. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, watch this, you'll be fishing for people. So big. Verse 11 and finally. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I want City Point Church to be a church that says yes to Jesus. I want City Point Church to be a church that when Jesus asks us to do something, we don't question it, we don't hesitate, we just do it. And what is so incredible is I really do believe that. We have a church full of people that say yes to Jesus on a regular basis. Well, here's the thing. If we're not careful to say, if we're not careful, you might not understand what Jesus is actually asking you to do. And to be honest with you, we live in a culture where there are other voices telling you to do things. And if you're not careful, you might think that Jesus is saying something when really it's not Jesus. It's the total opposite of of Jesus. And I'm going to break that down here in just a minute. Well, the question is, how do we know? How do we know whether it's Jesus or not? Simple. Study the word of God. Did you hear me? Study the word of God. The reality is, is it's in there. If you read the word, you can learn what the heart is, what the Father's heart is. I have three points this morning. We're going to get through them real quick. First one is this. There is a battle happening right now for your yes. Listen, 
There's a battle happening right now. I'm talking right this very second, right as you are sitting in here, right as you're listening to my voice. There is a battle going on for your yes. Listen to me. Jesus wants your yes, but so does Satan. And that might be heavy. You know, a lot of churches, they, they tiptoe around this subject. I'm going to tell you something. There's a battle for your soul going on right now. There's a battle for your attention going on right now. There's a battle for your family. There's a battle for your children. There's a battle for your marriage. And the enemy wants you to say yes to him because he wants you to fail. He wants you, eventually, he wants to own your life. Eventually, he wants you to die. Jesus wants your yes, but so does Satan. How do we know the difference? I'll explain it. It's super easy. What Jesus asks you to do will bring life, and what Satan asks you to do will bring death. Does it feel like there's death going on in your life a lot? And not maybe physical death, but maybe it's just, man, my life is just not working out, frustrating, and I feel like I'm drowning. I'm telling you, and, and I'm not, what I'm not saying is that, you know, if you follow Jesus, your life is going to be peachy. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a difference between having happiness and having the joy of the Lord, right? The joy of the Lord transcends every situation. The joy of the Lord transcends the divorce you're going through right now. The joy of the Lord transcends your rebellious children. Come on, somebody. The joy of the Lord transcends everything going on in your life. It is not based on what is happening. But if, if Jesus asks you to do something, if Jesus says, put your net over on the other side, go out a little deeper, just do it because it's going to bring life. But if the enemy asks you to do something, I'm guaranteeing you it eventually will end in death. One of the hardest things as a pastor, just listen to this. One of the hardest things as a pastor for me is to watch people do things that I know Jesus didn't ask them to do. And some of it, sometimes, sometimes I have relationship with people where I can say, hey, you need to stop, back up, slow down. But sometimes, and, and one, of my, one of my good friend Kimberly over here, she says, sometimes you just got to let people do it. And that's the reality, right? Sometimes you just got to let people do it. And I, I have been doing that our entire ministry. You let people make mistakes and then you're there with them to help them pick up the pieces. Listen to me. Jesus wants your yes, but he will honor your no. Jesus wants your yes, but he will honor your no. Make no mistake, Jesus absolutely desires your yes, but he will totally accept your no. He absolutely will take it. Watch this, verse 5. I just love this conversation between Peter and Jesus because it says this. Verse 5, it says, Master, Simon replied, we worked all night and didn't catch a thing. Like, Jesus, what you're asking me to do doesn't even make sense. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. How many of you know if Jesus asks you to do something, it doesn't have to make sense? Do you know that? It doesn't have to make sense, actually. Because Jesus works outside of the realm of what makes sense for you because we serve a miracle-working God. And I'm telling you, anybody that doesn't believe in that, you need to get away from them. Because I don't know about y'all, but I need the power of God in my life. Have you ever been there where you're like, Jesus, it just doesn't make sense? Watch this. I love his response, though. It doesn't make sense. We didn't get, we've been out all night. We've been trying to fish all night. And, but, but if you say it, then I'll do it. I, I want to say no because it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to say yes. Right? And here's the reality. You don't see Jesus going, dude, how dare you? How dare you even question what I'm saying? He goes, you know what? Just do it. 
Have you ever seen The Chosen? The show, The Chosen, it's really cool, right? It's not the Bible, so don't get all crazy on it, right? But it's, it is very, very accurate. And I love the dialogue between Peter and Jesus and that. I would have showed it, but it was like nine minutes, and we don't have time for that, right? But the reality is, is, is Jesus is like, just trust me, Peter. Trust me. I've got something better for you. I remember, you know, and any time I can hate on Albany, Georgia, I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> I just remember being in Albany, Georgia, and I'm not even joking, every single day pretty much asking the Lord, why? Why am I here? Why am I here? Nothing is succeeding. Nothing se- seems successful. At one point, my marriage was, a, was falling apart. At one point, my ministry was falling apart. Tiffany and I, at one point, me for like two seconds, her a little bit longer, both quit ministry. We were done, absolutely done. Didn't want to plant the church, never, never wanted to do that, ever. I was, God, why? Why? And I'm telling you, I got into my truck. I got a job, and uh, thank God, the Lord rescued me from that hellhole. Come on, somebody, right? And was like, I got an incredible job in Florida where it was actually really amazing for our marriage and our ministry. But I remember getting in my truck the day I was leaving. The Lord said, this is why I had you here, because you were prideful, and you needed to be humbled. And I'm like, imagine if I had just said yes and humbled myself instead of allowing, uh, we call it under the rock humility. You're just broken because you allow life. Listen, Jesus wants you humble, and he'll let life humble you if you don't choose to humble yourself. Do you believe that? Some of us are like, man, we've been there, right? Jesus, why? Why am I in this position? Why am I in this place? Listen to me. Jesus has a reason for it. There's a reason for it. And I'm going to say something that some of y'all are going to want to stand up and walk out of the room and think that I'm teaching heresy. But just before you do that, let me finish. Let me finish my thought. Has anybody ever heard somebody say God is in control? He's not. That's a lie. That's a total lie. And it's, it's, actually, uh, it's actually a bad theology. God is, is not in control. He is in charge. And there's a difference, right? There's a, any parent or teacher in this room knows that you can be in charge but not be in control, right? There's a thing called free will, and his children make all kinds. Listen, I, God is not in control like I was not in control of my son, Jonas, at the Christmas party. For, uh, Lord God, that child, you can ask Sarah, right? Where is she at? Is she in the room? She's not even here? Oh, my goodness. She quit, see? Because of my child. <laughs> I was about to kill him, okay? But I'm sitting here going, I'm going, God is in charge, but he's not in control. He lets his children, he lets people do whatever they want to do. Why? Why? Because of free will. Listen to me. Love is not real love if you don't choose it. It's not real if you don't choose it, right? God is not in control. He is in charge. He's in charge. And my thing is, is this, it's all about why does Jesus even ask us to do things? Why couldn't Jesus have just been like, oh, you need fish? Bam, done. No, he wanted, the, he wanted that correspondence. He wanted that relational equity with Peter. He wanted to build that trust that, that Peter needed, right? When Jesus said, Peter, let me grab your boat, he wasn't saying it because the people couldn't hear him, okay? He's God. He could just pull out a Holy Ghost megaphone and everybody could hear him. He got into Peter's boat, not for the people, but he got into Peter's boat for Peter. Listen to me. Jesus is stepping into some of y'all's boats this morning, and he's going to start asking you to do some things. And I'm telling you, I am begging you as your pastor, say yes. Say 
Yes, because listen to me, he'll, he'll take your no. And guess what? We, we talk about this all the time. God wants to use us. He wants to use you. But I'm telling you, if you don't say yes, he'll find someone else. He will find someone else. And, and as heavy as that is, that's the reality. And I don't even apologize for saying it. Okay? Listen to me. Here's what's so crazy. Is Jesus not only shows us how to say yes to the Father, but he also shows us, watch this, how to say no to the enemy. Jesus not only shows us how to say yes to the Father, but he also shows us how to say no to the enemy. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. And, and then Jesus, somebody say full. Everybody say full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit. Come on. The Father was leading him into the wilderness. It says this, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all or all at that time and became very hungry. Verse 3, then the devil said to him, this is so crazy, if you are the Son of God, Jesus, Satan knew that he was the Son of God, okay? Satan absolutely knew that. Absolutely knew that. If you really are the son of God. Where am I at? Sorry. Yeah, okay. The, the devil said to him, if you really are the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. In verse 4, Jesus said this. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Satan says eat bread. Jesus says no. Was, was eating bread wrong? Was it a sin? Was Satan saying, hey, I'm going to tempt you. He wasn't tempting you with bacon, right? He wasn't tempting you with something that, that Jewish people actually couldn't eat, right? He wasn't tempt, He was tempting him with bread. Bread is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with bread at all. But I'm going to tell you something. If Satan is asking you to eat bread, you probably shouldn't eat it. Did you hear me? If the enemy is asking you to eat bread, there's, a, there's something behind it. There is something that he's trying to trip you up with. If he's asking you to do it, you should just pull out scripture and go, nope, because the scripture says that man does not live on bread alone. Do you believe that? Right? And then two more times, Satan is like, let me give you the whole kingdom. And it's like Jesus is like, bro, do you know who my father is? Like, you don't know nothing. Like, no. And he pulls out scripture. And then the third time, scripture. So knowing the word of God is how you defend, how you say no to the enemy. Because I'm going to tell you something. Even in this scripture, the enemy quoted scripture to Jesus. Satan will manipulate scripture to get you to jump off of a cliff and kill yourself. That's what it says. The enemy will use whatever it takes to get you to say no to Jesus. Listen to me. Saying yes to Jesus won't be easy, but I'm going to tell you something. It will always, 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 somebody shout always, be better than saying no. Saying yes to Jesus will always be better. It's not going to be easy. I'm telling you right now, following Christ is not easy. It's super hard, right? It's super rewarding. It's amazing. But I'm going to tell you something. We live in a culture right now where you have pastors that are just basically saying, hey, when you if you become a Christian, life is going to be perfect. Live your best life. And I'm not, look, I'm not trashing pastors. That's not my, we, we don't do that here. We don't stand up in the pulpit and bash other ministries. That's not our heart. But I'm going to tell you something. I would be lying to you and I would be doing you a disservice. Just like when people say, God is in control, brother. God's in control, sister. No, he's not. He's in control when you give him control. Right? But he's in charge until you give him control. Seriously, Jesus, take the daggum wheel. Take the whole car. Take it. 
Some of us need to, yeah, Jesus is going to pull over the car and beat some of us with his flip-flop. You ever heard? <laughs> he needs to. He needs to. Listen to me. <laughs> flip-flop. Come on, y'all are in the south. You know what I'm talking about. My mom, growing up in Vegas, she used to chuck wooden spoons at us. Like, we're running. She'd be like, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> Just freaking. Oof. Okay. Back. I'm back. I'm back. Rabbit trail. Sorry. I'm back. Watch this. I want, I want to read this to you real quick. Luke 13, 22 says this. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing towards Jerusalem. Verse 23. Someone asked him, Lord, will you, will, sorry, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, verse 24, hard, what says work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. Can I say something? If people tell you that Christianity is easy, if people tell you that following Jesus is easy, they're probably talking about a different Jesus. If somebody tells you that it's not hard, they're probably talking about a different Jesus. And why is it hard? It's hard because we have a battle going on inside of us. Satan is working overtime. Listen to me. Satan is working overtime to get your yes. He is desperate for you to say no to God. He is desperate for you to refuse what the Father has for you. He's working overtime. Listen to me. This is my second point here. There is power. There is power. Somebody say there's power. There is power in our yes. There is power in our yes. And there's power every single day for us to say yes. Some of you are sitting here going, well, Pastor Jason, didn't you, didn't you say that, you know, grace is all you got to do? You know, there's no prerequisite. It's just Jesus. That's it. Can I tell you something? You will be saying yes to Jesus for the rest of your life here on earth. You'll be saying yes to Jesus every single day. There is opportunities for you to say yes. There is a huge difference between a person who is a Christian and someone who is a disciple. Did you hear me? There's a huge difference between someone who's a Christian, who's accepted Christ, accepted the work on the cross, and someone who is a disciple. Because listen, let me say it like this. You can be a Christian without being a disciple, but you cannot be a disciple without being a Christian. Let me say that again because some of you are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can be a Christian without being a disciple. You can have Christ. You could be saved. You could be going to heaven without being a disciple, but you cannot be a disciple without being a Christian. Let me, let me prove it to you. If I knew someone who was a heroin addict, and I, I went up to them and I said, listen to me, heroin is terrible for your life. It's so bad for you. I just, just look what it's doing to your life. And they were like, wow, you know what? You, the way you said it, it was just so eloquent. And man, I just wasn't thinking about it until right now that, wow, heroin is really bad for me. I'm, gonna, I'm quitting right now. Let me ask you, would that heroin addict go to heaven because he quit doing heroin? No, because going to heaven or not doing heroin is not a prerequisite to going to heaven. The only prerequisite to being a Christian, to going to heaven, is accepting the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, right? But I'm telling you, there is more. You said yes when you accepted Jesus into your life, but he's wanting you to say yes to following him. He's wanting you to say yes to the idea of discipleship. If you believe that, come on, somebody say yeah. That's what I'm talking about, right? Because I'm telling you, not doing something is not the prerequisite. 
you get, you get messed up into all kinds of legalistic things. But I'm telling you, it's not done when you say yes that first time. He wants your yes. To sum it up, Luke 23, 43. You got this dude hanging on, two dudes hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And one of them is mocking Jesus. And the other one is basically like, dude, like, chill out to the other guy. Chill out, man. Like, this is the son of God. And then he's literally like, Jesus, can I, can I just, can I please be with you in paradise? And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Was that thief on the cross, was he a disciple? No. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He gave his life to the Lord as he was dying. Discipleship implies that you know what the word says. Discipleship implies that you know what it is that we are following. Discipleship implies that you are following God with your whole life. Luke 14, 25, it says this. And, and I just, just hear me say this. It says this. A large crowd was following Jesus. Man, everywhere he went, large crowds, everywhere. He turned around and said to them, verse 26, if you want to be my disciple, watch this, you must I love the way the New Living Translation says it because it says, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. What? Jesus is telling us to hate people? No. What he's saying is everything else in your life, your family, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse, your children, all of those things must be second to the love that you have for the Father. All of those things must be second to the love that you have for Jesus. By comparison, you must hate everything else, your father, your mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Look at me. Some of us need to learn to hate ourselves just a little bit, right? I'm not telling you to hate yourself for real. But what I'm saying is stop putting yourself before Jesus. Stop putting your likes, your desires before what Jesus is asking you to do. Watch this. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you know, some of y'all are like, Pastor just told me to hate myself. No, I didn't, okay? <laughs> no, I didn't. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, obviously, listen to me. Jesus is not asking you to hate yourself. Jesus is not asking you to hate your mom, your dad, your children. Jesus is not asking you like, wow, Jesus wants us to hate a lot of people. No, he doesn't. By comparison, by comparison, thank you so much, my friend. By comparison, listen to this. This is so big. If you hear anything I say today, listen. You cannot say no to Jesus and expect to get the same results of saying yes. Did you hear me? Some of y'all are like, hold on, let me, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I'll say it slower this time. <laughs> you can't say no to Jesus and expect to get the same results of saying yes. And I'm going to tell you, we live in a culture that is ridded with this. We live our lives however we want. And I'm not, look, some of y'all are like, dang, Tiffany was heavy last week. Dang, Jason's heavy this week. Sorry, right? Sometimes, listen, the truth will set you free, but sometimes it'll feel like it kicked you in the face, right? Okay, that's the reality, right? The truth will set you free, but sometimes it'll offend you first, right? So I apologize. Actually, I don't apologize, right? Get over it. I'm trying to help y'all live a better life, okay? Live your best life for real. You can't say no to Jesus and expect the same results of, of if you were to say yes to Jesus. How many of you want to say yes to Jesus right now? Some of you are sitting here going, you don't even know. 
You don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how difficult things have been for me. You know what? I may not know. I may not know. Some of y'all have heard your stories, and it is just not okay. It's not right. You've been through some stuff that is just so unfair. It's unbelievably unfair. But look at me. I want everybody to look at me. Jesus is not asking you to say yes because he doesn't think you can say yes. He's asking you to say yes because he will give you the power. He will give you the strength. He will give you the courage to stand up and actually say yes instead of cowering down and saying no. I may not understand what you've been through, but you know there's someone who does understand. You know who it is? Jesus. Absolutely. Let me read this, and I'm, I'm going to prove it to you all. Matthew 26. Where are we at? What time we got? Oh, we're good. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Matthew 26 says this. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go to pray. It's almost like pre-service prayer. I'm like, guys, let's stay in the room. Let's pray together. That's what, that's what Jesus was saying, right? Verse 37. He took Peter and the, the, Zebedee, the Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. Verse 38, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I, I mean, that's so poetic. I don't even know how to say that. I mean, it's just, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And then he goes, stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus was struggling, y'all. He was feeling the full burden of being 100% man and also 100% God. He was feeling the full struggle of what we go through every single day. Look at me. Nothing in Jesus wanted to say yes. Nothing. Nothing. And I'll read it, right? Nothing. But he said, not my will, but the Father's will. Right? Verse 39. He went on a little further and bowed his face into the ground. My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. This is right before he went to the cross, so he is feeling it. He knew it was going to come. Yet, I want your will. Come on, somebody say your will. Say that a little bit better like you mean it. Your will. That was like the exact same. We'll move on. It's cool. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. Lord, he's like, he said to him, Peter, couldn't you watch for even one hour? Couldn't you just hang out and keep watch for one hour? And then the Bible literally goes on. He does this two more times where he goes back and he prays and he's just like, Father, if, if there's any other way. Listen to me. Jesus didn't only say yes to the Father when his life was peachy and everything was great. Jesus said yes to the Father when, when life seemed to be falling apart and everything was messed up, right? Galatians 5, 25 says this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. My heart is this, and Gabe, if you want to jump up on the keys, you can. My heart is this, that look at me, that our church, even the people that aren't here and you're listening to this via podcast, that our church would be a place that we are confidently saying yes to the Lord. If Jesus asks us to do something, we are saying yes. Some of us have been saying no, and I'm telling you, you need to say yes. Not for me, not for, not for anybody else's sake, but for your sake. Imagine what would have happened if Peter would have been like, dude, I'm exhausted. 
We've been out all night. I mean, guys, they, he was fishing all night long and had caught nothing, zero results. Imagine if he would have said, you know, Jesus, you're not even a fisherman. I mean, come on, you're a carpenter. We all know Joseph. Come on, he's a carpenter, you're a carpenter. Let's, how about you stick to whittling things, right? Don't we do that? Some of us, instead of saying yes, we go, Jesus, I'll pray about it. <laughs> I'll talk to you about whether I want to say yes to what you're asking me to do right now. Don't we do that? It's like the Christian, I don't want to deal with this right now. It's giving me anxiety, so I'll pray about it. <laughs> and then we don't. We're like, I'm just going to get out of there. <laughs> I want to I say this real quick, and then I'm, I have my buddy who's going to share a little bit. Can I get, like, five more minutes? Anybody? Five more minutes? Five more minutes? Right? Raise your hand for five, ten, fifth. Okay, cool. We're good. Got it. Awesome. <laughs> Got it. Right? This is my third point, and I want you to hear me say this. Listen. Saying yes to Jesus is powerful for more than just myself. When Look at me. When you say yes to Jesus... Your family is impacted. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying, I promised I wasn't going to get emotional, but I want you to hear me. Saying yes to Jesus will change your children's life. Saying yes to Jesus will change your neighbor's life. Saying yes to Jesus will change your coworker's life. Because they'll start to see the supernatural power of what saying yes to Jesus does in your life. And then they'll come up to you and go, man, I don't know what it is that you're on, but I want some of it. I mean, I've had people ask me that. Like, it's not even funny. I'm dead serious. I don't know what you're on, bro, but I want it. And I'm like, man, my God is the most high. The Bible says it 51 times. You can't get any higher than that. Do you believe that? I don't know what it is that you've got in your life. And I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I'm not like, I just said yes to Jesus. That's what, infomercial over. But for real, for real though, listen. <laughs> Sorry, squirrel. Listen, look, look at me. I apologize. Look at me. When you say yes to Jesus, you unlock the supernatural in your life. I want to, I want to read this real quick. And then I'm going to have you come on up. Baby, can you hand him your mic if you don't mind? so much. Watch this. Luke 5 verse 6, it says this, and this time, this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners, brought other people in on the supernatural work of God. A shout for, a shout brought their other partners. It says this, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. How many of you have been so blessed that your life is just so full that it's like I'm on the verge of sinking. There's just so much goodness happening, right? And it doesn't mean that your life isn't falling apart. It doesn't mean that people aren't dying in your life. It doesn't mean that you're gonna, everything's gonna be peachy and perfect. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is, is your life will be overflowing. Your life will be overflowing and not just for you, but your friends boat too. Not just for you, but for your spouse that you're praying for. Not just for you, but your children that you're praying for. 
not just for you, but the family member that you're like, man, that person's never going to come to Christ. They will see how many fish are in your boat and go, dude, I want some of those fish. When Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Watch this. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others that were with him. Verse 10. His partners, James and John, also happened to be the same people that were in the garden with Jesus when he was in anguish. I don't know who needs to hear this. I was was supposed to say this earlier, and I just forgot. But when you're going through something, the people that you allow in your life are absolutely will make or break it. Jesus had Peter, James, and John there because those were his closest confidants. Those were his closest disciples. And he asked them to come because I'm struggling and I need you to come. Listen to me. Some of y'all are struggling all by yourself. And I'm telling you, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. The Lord wants to walk through this anguish with you. You gotta let people in. I don't know who that's for, but I'm just gonna say that. The power of God is not just for yourself. Saying yes affects other people as well. Mike, you wanna come on up here real quick? And I asked Mike to share his story. I wanna give a little bit of preface. One, this dude is so awesome. Don't y'all just love Mike? Come on. Hey, they gave you a better applause than they did me, so. I'm just kidding. But I asked him to share his story. And go ahead. All right, guys. So um, a lot of y'all know my situation I'm going through. Um, I, may, I may get emotional, but just bear with me. So um, about six months ago, I was at the darkest place in my life. Um, you know, for several years, you know, when I met my wife, she was she she had all the faith, but I lacked the faith. So some of y'all know, but I'm going through a divorce right now. So at, at the end, you know, for several years, I just kept making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And, you know, one day it's like I just woke up and, you know, I posted on Facebook that, you know, I'm looking for a church. And <laughs> um, somebody tagged Jason in it and, you know, reached out to me so but but that's not that's not the thing you know the thing is is that six months ago like I said I was in the darkest place of my life and all it took was one saying yes to Jesus and it's been completely changed within six months I have literally I have have so many godly stories of people I've just met at grocery stores and people that I've met I mean, I work for SiriusXM, so I go to a bunch of dealerships, and I've had people come to me up at dealerships, not even know me from Adam, and say, what's your story? And I'm like, is this you, God? Like, what's going on here? And so, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy the amount of work I have put in to make my, my relationship with God better. Because, you know, it's crazy now because... I've got people and friends that come up to me and they're like, who are you? They're like, you're not the same Michael Witt we knew six months ago. They said, how do I, how do I get to your comfort zone with God? And I said, you just got to pray about it. You just got to say yes to Jesus every single day. Every day, 
I have two options. I can say yes to Satan or I can say yes to Jesus. And I say yes to Jesus every single day. So, you know, that's the thing. And, you know, like what Jason was saying, you know, about, um, you know, your, your, children will follow, your children will follow. So, you know, six months have gone by. I, I tried to bring my son Eli to church, you know, as much as I can. But it, it never really stuck. And, you know, I think it had something to do with the age. But at the same time, he's now five years old. And when I see this kid, he's asking me, when are we going to church? Are we going to church this Sunday? Are we, are, do I get to see my friends at church? And the thing that I posted, so I've been posting a lot of godly stuff on Facebook, if you follow me on Facebook, but so the other day I posted a picture of Eli. Sorry, guys. But dude, there's this one song that I play with him every single time, and I don't know if y'all have heard of Surrounded, um, but I won't even, I won't, he, he'll be playing. And, this, and he'll just start randomly singing, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. And he'll just constantly keep singing it. So now every time we get in the truck, when I pick him up, he's like, Daddy, I want to fight my battles. So I turn on the song, and we jam to it all the way home. So, you know, that's the thing. It, all it took for a life change of me was for me to say yes to Jesus. That's all it took. And then... But, I mean, that's, it doesn't stop there. You have to work at it. You have to make the right decision every single day. And I kept making that right decision. And so this is where I'm at now in my life. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful to be a part of an amazing church that, you know, this dude, this dude pushes me every single day, every single day to make the, the right decision to say yes to Jesus. So I just want to share that with you guys. Do me a favor. Can you stand to your feet? You all gave me 15 minutes. We're almost at 10, so we're good. Listen to me. Saying yes to Jesus is powerful for more than just myself. All I can imagine is this kiddo. Learning and understanding the power of, of praise, learning and understanding the power of worship. I, I just can't, I can't stress it enough. Listen, live a life of saying yes, not just for you, but for your children. Your kids need it. Your family needs it. Your friends need it. They're watching you. This is how I fight my battles. I just love that. The idea of a child singing that to the Father. Do me a favor, close your eyes. And I just want to pray over us in this room, but maybe, maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I've said yes to Jesus. I have. I've accepted him in my life, but I have, I have not been saying yes consistently. I'm just, I want to pray over you. I want to pray that that the Lord would give you confidence, the Lord would give you boldness. I don't care if you're a junior higher. I don't care if you're a senior citizen. I do not care. Age is nothing to the Lord. 
And he can use you right where you're at. He can use you in your school. He can use you in your family. He can use you to affect the people that are around you if you will just say yes to him. Everybody's eyes are closed. If that's you and you're like, man, I just need, I want the confidence. I want the boldness that no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what the anguish, I want the confidence and the boldness to say yes. I just want you to lift your hand. No one's looking around. Come on, hands are going up all over the room. I just want to say yes to him. I want the confidence and the boldness of saying yes to him. Yes. Hands are going up all over the place. All over the place. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being honest, being real. If we can't be real in the house of God, where can we be real? 